As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Happy holidays, everyone. Today, we are going to be re-airing one of our favorite holiday episodes, and it is Thanksgiving Cooking for One with Yewande, who is a New York Times cooking journalist, and she's going to talk to us about her experience as a Nigerian immigrant. I really love this conversation, and this one is dedicated for all of you out there who are celebrating the holidays by yourself, maybe with a significant other, maybe with a friend, maybe with close family, basically for all the people who are not used to having those big elaborate gatherings like myself. We're currently on holiday break, but we'll be back next week with a new episode. So make sure you stay tuned and I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to the podcast, Yawande. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you are now working as a journalist for the New York Times. So I want to start off just talking a little bit about how you got here, because that's a huge accomplishment. And like, were you always surrounded by cooking? Do you feel like it's something that you came into more as an adult? Like, what's what's the deal? Tell me everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I was always surrounded by cooking. My mom worked as a food scientist growing up. And so I was always surrounded by recipes or her like examining the backs of um, like if we get cookies, she's like, what's in this? Like, let's see what's in this. Let's break this down. Can I recreate this? And so I, I always had an interest in food. Like I always wanted to do what she was doing or help in the kitchen. Um, and she allowed me to like I remember making several like birthday cakes, which I laugh now, but <laughs> At, at that age, it was like a big accomplishment. And so when I moved here to the U.S. to go to college, I was like, I'm going to do what she did and do biochemistry and go into food science. And I realized really quickly that I didn't like chemistry. And so I ended up getting a, a degree in biology and psychology. But right after college, I was like, I'm going to do the cool thing and be a chef. I'm going to go to culinary arts school and be really cool and be this like chef. And so it was always in the back of my mind to work in food. As far as like the journey, it wasn't really straightforward. It was just kind of me trying to figure out what I liked in the industry and what I didn't like. Oh, my God. OK, wait, hold up. So your mom was a food scientist because I'm like, I'm very intrigued because I have I have a background in nutrition and like food science was very like related to that. So was she doing this in Nigeria? Like what got her interested in being a food scientist? Because it's a very unique career choice. You know, I think my mom's just a scientist at heart. And I feel yeah. like food was what she went towards. 
Now she does more nutrition, but I feel like she always had a keen eye on food and always had an interest in food. She studied in Berlin. That's where my parents met in Berlin. And so she got her food science background from there, from university there. When we moved back to Nigeria, she got a job at Hadley's Chocolates. It's a British company. And she worked there like all the whole time I was growing up. So I think she she had an interest in it, but she's like, when I talk to her now, I'm like, oh my God, she's such a nerd. I think her interest was also in food. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, because it's very non-traditional. I think especially, you know, we're told like, be a doctor. A doctor. <laughs> <laughs> or a lawyer. Or, yeah. yeah, she's like, I'm going to be a food scientist. Like, that's really cool. I love that. So tell me about like some of the, like, because you, you came here for college and I'm just thinking like food is so different here compared to like Nigeria. So what were your initial thoughts? Like, I'm thinking college food, especially where you like, what the hell is this? Or like, I'm just talking about that today. <laughs> I was like, I still don't know what's in a Salisbury steak, but I remember it from, <laughs> it was like brown, this like lump of brown with like a sauce yeah. around it, you know? So I think the food was really different to me. Like some yeah. of it, I recognized some of it. I was like, oh, that's a cake or, you know, but like, I remember having chicken from, I can't remember exactly where now, probably KFC or Popeye's. And I was like, why is it so seasoned? There's so much like taste like salt yeah (laughs) right and it's got this like crunchy you know we don't really fry chicken with a batter in Nigeria and so the the, like crust on the chicken was interesting to me like everything just was so new and so interesting and I, I mean I love food and so I think I approached it with a very curious eye I don't think I understood how it was made I think also the separation of the animal from the food was intriguing to me because if we were eating chicken back at home we were like it had been running around in the backyard like literally five minutes ago yeah and so I remember going to the grocery store and I'm like oh my god you can buy a pack of chicken wings like what happened to the rest of the chicken you know yeah and so I think I had I came to it from a very curious place where I was just like trying to take in and understand what was going on. But the food was very different. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Popeye's. I have a funny story. Have you tasted the Popeye's crispy chicken sandwich that was apparently it was rated like the best chicken sandwich out of all fast food chains? No, I haven't. (laughs) Is this the one recently where? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I haven't tasted that. Well, now they have, they have like the Megan the Stallion (laughs) chicken sandwich. (laughs) There's that one. And then there's this other one. So I was super intrigued because I'm like, what? It was rated the top. Everyone's always going crazy over Popeye's chicken. I haven't had Popeye's since I was like a kid. But I was like, let me try it. So the other day I went up the block to go get me that chicken sandwich. And I was like, let me just ball out because I had $20. So I bought the shrimp. I bought the biscuits. I I went ham. And let me tell you, I felt miserable. (laughs) I was like in a food coma, like passed out for like 24 hours. But I mean, everything else was trash. But I will say the chicken sandwich was like really good. Yeah, I definitely had moments like, like sometimes when my parents would come visit and we were still on campus, like we would stay in a hotel and order. I remember this one summer where we just lived on fast food 
it felt like a dream. I was like, this is all the food that I can't afford. But when my parents are here, I can like get them to get it for me. <laughs> but I haven't really gone back to that to like eating any of that food recently. Yeah, you're like, I'm cooking for the New York Times. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not eating Popeye's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, I, I was intrigued. I was intrigued. But I I feel you. I'm the same way. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a what's the word? A more refined eater now. But sometimes I'll be like, let me just go to McDonald's and get me some fries. Yeah, like, there's sometimes when you're on a road trip and you're like, McDonald's is the only thing available. So. <laughs> I know, exactly. Like middle America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Um, and we were kind of talking a little bit about this, but like for immigrants, I think even kids of immigrants, it could it could kind of be awkward sometimes. Like it was awkward for me because I'm like, OK, we never really celebrated because my parents, I, I think to this day, they don't even really know what Thanksgiving means aside from like you make a turkey. And so eventually I think we assimilated in that way where we're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to like roast a turkey. And that's what that's what we do. Um, so I'm wondering, like for you being here those first few years, like what did Thanksgiving look like for you? And like, how has that changed throughout the years? Is this something that you celebrate now? Like, you know, those first few years, I had no idea what the holiday was. I knew that people went home. I was living in the dorms and people would go home and I didn't really have a home to go to. So I would stay on campus. Um, later on, as like two years in or three years in, I would get invited to friends' houses. I got invited to like a wonderful, wonderful nurse at the clinic was like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to be on campus. And she was like, oh, no, like you are coming home with me. Like, I'm going to come pick you up. We're going to cook. We're going to like celebrate. I'm going to show you how we do Thanksgiving in Baltimore. And that was really great. I think I experienced just a variety of different Thanksgivings, you know, I wrote a story recently on how <laughs> my life as like a Thanksgiving nomad and how over the years I've collected all these memories and I've collected all these recipes. I've talked to like my hosts about what Thanksgiving means to them. And now that I have my own family, I, I still don't celebrate it in a traditional sense. I use it mostly as a time to just spend time with my family. I never make a turkey like yeah. <laughs> what do you make? Tell me about what you make. Is it like, oh, well, like what's on the menu? I I so goat is one of my favorite mm. things to make. I make a braised goat. It's a large format thing. It's like a whole leg of goat. I braise it and then I cover it in this really peppery sauce that's called abeata. And that's like our go-to sauce for everything in Lagos. I don't think I've ever made a turkey, honestly. Not even at work. I don't think I've even made it at work, like recipe testing. I don't think I've done that. But yeah, I never make a turkey. I always make goat or find a way to like infuse my Nigerian-ness into it. I either make a um, goat or I make, there's always jollof rice, like, because mm. that's just like celebration food. I wrote about my mother-in-law's citrus glazed sweet potatoes. Ooh. which I know they're so good. Oh, and yes. <laughs> I ask her to make them whenever, even if it's not Thanksgiving, I ask her to make them. I also wrote about a cornbread dressing that I learned to make from my friend's Baltimore home. I think all of these dishes are things that I would make anyways in the, in the middle of the year. So then I don't have like a specific Thanksgiving menu, but these are things that I make all the year, all year round. Just yeah. because they're delicious. So whatever is delicious is on my Thanksgiving table. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm trying to be at that Thanksgiving gathering. Like, no offense to listeners, but I'm not a huge 
turkey person. I don't feel like I've never really been a huge turkey person. So to me, like a stewed goat sounds way more enticing. I'm like, okay, let's go with that. Like all of the things that you said, I'm like, I'm, I need to be there. Yeah. Like I, I feel like if I do make a turkey, it would have to be stewed in, in abata. Like sauce. Yeah. Sauce. Like yes. <laughs> On rice. Like, oh my God, that sounds so good. We were also talking a little bit about like, because when you were in college, like, you know, you sometimes would spend these holidays by yourself. And I think for a lot of listeners, like myself included, who doesn't really have a lot of family here, you know, it could get a little lonely where you're like, oh, like maybe you do want to like share a meal. You want to make something special. But then you see people on Instagram posting like 10 different dishes <laughs> that they're going to make and like all these elaborate dinner plans. I think especially now with COVID too, like some people, maybe they do have family family, but they're trying to be a little more mindful about gatherings and stuff like that. What do you think is helpful in terms of like maybe planning for like something a little smaller where it might be you by yourself or like you and like maybe one or two other people? Yeah, I, you know, I've spent a lot of holidays alone. I don't really, now that I have a daughter, I'm trying to incorporate celebration into the holidays for her mostly, but like I didn't really celebrate most of the holidays while in my time here. But I think one thing I did was like, I was always going to eat well. I was always going to eat good. Even if it was just me, I was going to make something special for myself or something that I'd been craving. And I think that leaving space to do that for yourself, even if it doesn't involve other people, I think could be really special and could be your way of making it special. And just like taking space for yourself, like use that day as like a time to reflect or just a time to rest. We've all been like working crazy hard, like crazy hours and things like that. So even if I'm not cooking, I just use it as a time for myself. It's like, oh, wow, I finally have a day to just relax and do me, you know. And, and so I think that a lot of the holidays that I spent alone, I also had I also have a younger brother who I spent some holidays with. And we'll just like do something special for ourselves or like make dinner or go to the movies or go to Chinatown, you know, just like do something, whatever financially we could afford to. That yeah. was like another factor. So I, I think even if you're not spending with people, you could definitely find ways to make it special for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good opportunity to just take a pause because especially like living in larger cities, even eating is like a very rushed thing. It's like you're doing it while you're on the computer, while you're like doing a million other things. And so it's a nice opportunity to just be like, I don't know, put some intention into like making a meal and just like slow down a little bit. Tell me about your cooking style because, you know, coming from Nigeria, I'm sure you get a lot of your inspiration from your culture in terms of like the dishes that you're making. But I'm sure being here a certain amount of time, you're also like influenced by different cultures with the foods that you're making. So do you think that like your cooking style has changed over the years since immigrating here? Like, what does that look like now? I think that originally when I started cooking professionally, like I just wanted to learn what people were doing. I wanted to learn all the French techniques, you know, depending on the restaurant that I was working in. I was like, I want to learn basic classic French pastry. And that's where my focus was. So it wasn't until later, like actually quite recently, about six years ago, that I started really turning that lens onto myself and the food that I was, mm. that I remember from eating growing up. Because I always felt like, oh, it's Nigerian food. Like, I'll always have that. Like, I already know what that's about. Like, I don't need to examine it. 
And so it wasn't until recently that I started really turning my food lens to Nigerian food and examining the ways in which we create dishes, the, the layering that we apply to our food and the techniques and using that education that I had got from like working in restaurants or working in test kitchens to examine my own food culture. Um, and so now the recipes that I write would always have flavor. Yes. <laughs> a must. <laughs> like I will always find a way to like add some spice to it. And spice doesn't necessarily mean heat, but it just means like a layering of like different spices. I think I'm now really influenced. And another reason is that like I, I lived undocumented for so long that I didn't get a chance to actually go back and revisit Nigeria. And so growing up in Nigeria felt like some distant, I was like, did I really grow up in Nigeria? You know, I got to the point where I was like questioning myself, like, did I grow up there? Like, you know, and so when I did get a chance to connect with it, I was like, oh my God, like the food is amazing. And like, you know, like I wanted to absorb as much as I could. And I came back with that intention to just like add and infuse my recipes with, with this memory, this richness that I experienced in Nigeria. And so my, my recipes right now are reflective of that. And maybe it will change again, you know, but um, for right now, I'm just like basing myself in West Africa. I love it. Oh, my God. And what does your family think? Because, you know, like sometimes with elders, they give you the side eye like, girl, what you doing? You over here like, <laughs> you know, so like what, what do they think of the dishes that you make? You know, I'm really lucky and really privileged in that way where my parents have been super supportive of my work. Oh, that's um, I think that my mom being a food scientist, she's like thrilled that I'm in food. A lot of our conversations are just about food and like the different ways in which we think about food. So it's like a, a point of connection. I always ask my parents like, oh, what did Iyako make? Like my grandmothers or my great grandmothers. Like, do you remember this dish or, you know, so they've been a source of inspiration for me also. Oh, that's so cool. That's great. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes, especially with old school folks, they're like, that's not how you don't make it that way. You got to do this. But it's like, relax. I know. It's like, oh, my God, it gives me anxiety sometimes. It's like being in the kitchen with my father. I'm like, I feel like I just have hovering eyes over me. Like, the hell are you doing? I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, I don't want to offend anyone. Yeah, my my mom is just like, you know, my parents are just happy to let me cook. They're <laughs> like, girl, if you want to cook, like, go ahead and cook. Like, Right. They're like, we're just here to eat. So yeah, we're we'll just take whatever. <laughs> That's great. Well, tell me about like what you've been cooking. I, I know you have like tons of amazing recipes at the New York Times. And also like, I would love to know like some recipes that you've developed that might be really good for the holidays, especially for smaller groups. Like I know you said jollof rice, like tell me about some of like your latest recipes that you've developed that maybe some of our listeners can prepare for this upcoming holiday season. Yeah, I would say the citrus glazed sweet potatoes because it's the kind of thing where you put everything in a dish and just like put it in the oven. And I it does that. its thing. And when it comes out, it's like syrupy and glazed. And, you know, you just let it do its thing. Um, the cornbread dressing, I would say, is another one. I wrote the recipe with pork sausage, but I think mushrooms would be really good in it. If you saute some mushrooms instead of pork, could be a good way to like replace it and make it vegetarian. If you really want to go all out, make the braised goat. Oh, my God. Yes. 
do it. I know you also have a soup recipe. I'm big on soups any day in the fall. Yeah, definitely. There was a pumpkin and peanut soup that I think is like really reminiscent of fall. It's got all these like deep flavors. You're roasting pumpkin, you're adding peanut butter to it. I think that's a really good starter course. Fish, if you don't eat turkey or goat, you can, yeah. there's a lemongrass fish recipe that's, it's whole fish. It's really beautiful. It feels like a celebration. I think that could really work. It's, it's a lemongrass relish that goes on the fish and you put it in the oven. There's some yaji spiced roasted carrots. And the, the relishes were really what makes that recipe. And the relish can be applied to any vegetable. I think it would be really good with beets. It'll be really good with parsnips. Whatever root vegetable is available, I think it would be really good with. Oh my God. Okay. All of it. I'm bookmarking. I'm, we're I gonna, you're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Because listen, I'm not planning on doing anything for Thanksgiving. So I'm like, I might just like stay here and make a few of these recipes and call it a day. Yeah. Sounds amazing. All right. Well, tell us where our listeners can learn more about you. If they want to like make your recipes, where can people find you? All my recipes live on New York Times Cooking. As far as learning more about me, I have a website. I haven't really updated it in a while. Okay. So the information on there is a little dated, but there's a little information on there. Um, I have a book coming out this year and I'm working on a cookbook um, that comes out in 2023. The book coming out this year is based on the Netflix series, The Waffles and Mochi oh Netflix my God. series. And so, so cool. that's like a children's children's book, but like it includes the adults that the children are cooking with. So it's it's not really like, it's not terribly simplified recipes, but it does have a little bit of like my taste and my flair and the flavors I like to really use in the recipes. So that's that's one thing that's coming out. It comes out in November. But yeah, and my, my cookbook is just a waiting game. So everyone yeah. will have to be patient for my Nigerian cookbook, but that's also something that's that's coming on the way. I write a column for the New York Times. And so every it's a monthly column. And, it, you know, there's like stories about me, my journey, my food, the things that I'm interested in on there. So, yeah, there's so many outlets. Perfect. What about for people who want to stalk you on IG? Are you on there? No. Oh, yeah, I'm on it. Social media. Yes, I'm on Instagram. It's the only social media that I really use or engage with. So social media, Tiwande underscore Kamalafe. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, this was lovely. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.